Good morning, church family. I'm glad that we are here together to worship God. Do you know anybody who's a difficult person? Can you think back to uh, maybe your, your, your work week this past week? Was there anybody who was difficult this week at work? Was there anybody uh, in your family this week who was difficult? Was there anybody uh, in your, your community when you were going around traveling that was difficult? Hey, I want to go ahead and ask for a, a showing of hands. Anybody at work have a difficult person this week? Anybody at church have a difficult person this week? Anybody at home have a difficult person this week? Anybody just in life this past week have a difficult person? Anybody know difficult people? Hey, if your hand's not up, it might be you. All right? It might be you. All of us have difficult people in our lives. All of us do. And the reality is all of us can be those difficult people sometimes, can't we? Maybe more often than we think we are, we are those difficult people. We're continuing our series on the way and studying about Jesus. He is the way. And we as Christians are those who belong to the way, meaning we're trying to follow Jesus. At the end of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has been healing and performing miracles and helping people. And he notices, hey, there's a lot of people here. I need to tell them some things. I need to teach them some things. So in the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, he goes up on the mountain. And what's it say? His disciples, the people who want to follow him, the people who want to know more about him, they come to Jesus. And he begins to teach them all kinds of things. And really this last few weeks especially, he's been talking about personal relationships. He's been talking about marriage and and things like that and just all these different situations and circumstances that we might face on a daily basis. And he's really letting us know, hey, it matters what you do every day. It matters what you do in your relationships, how you treat people. These things matter. And in this section we're going to talk about this morning, he's talking about a number of different things that may be uh, certainly not all the not all the same circumstance or situation, but how we should treat people who are difficult to us. So we want to look at and, and think about this this morning. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38, if you're not already there, go ahead and turn there. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 5. We're quickly going to transition uh, to Matthew chapter, or excuse me, to Luke chapter 6 here in just a few minutes. But in Matthew chapter 5, remember this is that section of scripture where Jesus says, you have heard it said this, but I'm telling you something different. I'm telling you something a higher standard. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38, he says, you have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Here's that Old Testament law, that Old Testament standard that if you do something to me, I get to at least do something as equal as equally as bad to you. If you push me, I get to push you. If you punch me, I get to punch you. If you somehow kill my animal or my livestock or my family member, I get to do the similar thing to you. And in reality, the, the point of this was not so much, hey, I, turnabout's fair play. I get to do the exact same thing to you or at least just as bad. The reality is God was actually limiting the retaliation. You know, because what happens most of the time is if somebody pushes you, you're not going to push them back. You're going to punch them, right? Or if somebody uh, hurts your family member, you're not going to want to hurt their family member. You're going to want to really hurt their family member. Escalation, right? That happens on the world stage between nations. And that happens in our personal lives between people, in our family, in our jobs. Somebody does something to us. We want to get them back. And usually we do something a little bit worse. And then they do something a little bit worse to us. And it escalates, right? So really, this is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It is a a high standard of, you know, if you accidentally poke somebody's eye out, you can poke their eye out. That's literally an example that's given to us in the Old Testament. But really, it's a a limiting of the retaliation. So let's think about this. What does that mean? What does it look like in our, our lives today? 
Let's ask ourselves this question. Should I treat people fairly? Should I treat people fairly? You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's fair, right? Should we treat people fairly? Now that makes sense. Fairness sounds like a good idea. Fairness sounds like certainly a standard that the world sometimes upholds, even though they don't uphold it perfectly. But if you ask someone, should I treat someone fairly? Most people would say, what? Yes, I should treat someone fairly. We teach our kids to to treat people fairly. When things are not fair, they come and complain to us about it not being fair. I don't know if your kids do that, but I have two of them that do pretty frequently. That this isn't fair or that isn't fair. And we have learned as adults that what? Life is not fair. But we would agree with, most of the world would agree with the statement. Should we treat people fairly? Yes, we should treat people fairly because it makes sense. But remember, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, Jesus says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus is calling us these, in these very specific situations. He is calling us to a greater righteousness, a greater righteousness than the scribes and Pharisees. And sometimes that's higher. Sometimes it's better. But let me suggest to you today that this greater righteousness that Jesus is calling us to, maybe that we would say this, this fairness that Jesus is saying that the old uh, the ancients were told this. He's calling us not to, not to something necessarily higher, though it is, not to ne- something necessarily better, but I would suggest something that's opposite. Not to be unfair, but to be more than fair. Jesus is calling us in our interactions with everyone, even with our enemies, even with those who persecute us, even with those who, who don't treat us right and do bad things to us, to treat them not fairly, but to treat them more than fair. What more can God expect from us? Look again at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48, and then we'll get over to Luke chapter 6. He wraps up this section with these words, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now I don't know about you, but every time I read that, I I struggle with that. I struggle with that. I I struggle with what, what can, what could Jesus have meant by that? Because he was looking out on a crowd of people who were what? They were anything but perfect. And if he were here today, he would look out on a crowd today that's what? Anything but perfect, right? He, but, he, but he says, Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, is, as Matthew is, is there and he's, he's there in person, Matthew is, is up on that mount with Jesus and with the other apostles and, and with the, the crowd of people. And he's hearing Jesus saying these words. And Jesus says, therefore, you. And he would say it to you today if he were here. You are to be perfect. As your heavenly father is perfect. And my automatic answer to that is, there's no way. I can't do that. What does that mean? What does that look like? Turn over to Luke chapter 6. Let's read a, couple, a few verses over there. Luke chapter 6, verses 35 and 36. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 862. That's where it will be the rest of our lesson. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke uh, chapter 6. Now, I mentioned that, that Matthew was there on the, on the mount with Jesus, and he's, he's recording it. And of course, the Holy Spirit, through inspiration, is helping him to, to remember these things, perhaps uh, sometime later, or maybe Jesus, or Matthew's uh, you know, taking notes, or uh, somehow knows what Jesus is saying. Luke is going to record the, the same 
uh, lesson, if you will, but Luke wasn't there. Or at least we don't know that Luke was there. Uh, in the beginning of the, the gospel of Luke, he says uh, that other people have undertaken the job of, of writing the, the history of Jesus and the things of his life. So I thought it would be a good idea too. And he describes it as if he has been talking to, and he mentions there specifically, eyewitnesses. He says, it, it, it seems as if Luke certainly with inspiration, but in his effort to do a good job, Luke is going around and he's talking to Matthew and he's talking to Peter and he's talking to John and he's talking to anybody who might've been on that crowd. And he's saying, hey, what did Jesus talk about when, on that day on the Sermon on the Mount? What was his lesson about? What did you learn? What would you take from what Jesus had to say? And in Luke chapter six, in these verses, he's gonna make a different connection and really come not to a different conclusion, not at all, but to a conclusion that I think Maybe a little more, a little easier for us to understand because Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? What, what's the takeaway there? Because I know I can't be perfect. You know, you can't be perfect. So what's the takeaway? Again, same, same group of teaching that Luke is recording here, but he kind of summarizes it rather than recording it word for word. Notice what he says in Luke 6, 35 and the following. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And here it is, verse 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. So, so in Matthew's account, it's recorded as you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. In Luke's account where he's talked to all these eyewitnesses and he said, hey, when you were there on the Sermon on the Mount, what did Jesus talk about? What, what, what did you take away? What was, the, what was the lesson? Maybe even what's happening here. This is not a contradiction. This is not Matthew says that he said you need to be perfect. And Luke says, no, he said you need to be, you need to be merciful. It's not a contradiction. What's happening here is probably the same way you would have questions if Jesus, the son of God, stood before you and said, hey, you need to be perfect. You'd have questions. So what would you do after the sermon was over? You'd go up to him and say, Jesus, what do you mean when I need to be perfect? Because I'm really having a struggle with that. And maybe there was a conversation and maybe Jesus sat down and, and had a, a conversation with a group of people or one-on-one or, -on -one or whatever it was. But it seems as if the eyewitnesses that Luke talked about, about the Sermon on the Mount, what they took away from it, what they got from it, what, what Jesus' ultimate message was, and we can trust it because the Holy Spirit inspired the writer Luke to tell us this, that to be perfect in this context is to be merciful. Now, I can recognize I'm never, I'll never be perfect. I recognize that I mess up frequently and that I can never really achieve that completely, certainly not without God. But I can grasp a little easier the idea of being merciful, the idea of, of not treating people the way they should be treated. I can realize, okay, what's the way to deal with difficult people? Jesus says in summation, you need to be merciful to them. You need to be merciful to him. And that's, that idea is all over scripture, especially New Testament scripture. If, you, if you're not merciful, uh, God won't be merciful to you. Judgment is merciless to the one who shows no judgment, James tells us. And, and, and the sermon or the, uh, the model prayer that we use, it says, uh, forgive others so that you can be forgiven and, and all those types of ideas. So we can, we can grasp, we can understand mercy a little bit more. If we go on and we think about this in, in, earlier on in Luke chapter six, verse 27, Luke chapter six and verse 27 Luke is kind of flipping the script. Again, he's, he's writing a summation of the Sermon on the Mount. Really, really not even the whole Sermon on the Mount, just this one section we're talking about. And, and, the, and the order that's mentioned in Matthew's account, 
the order is a little, it's a little different in Luke's account. Again, because he, he's been talking to these different people who were there. Matt, uh, Matthew is, maybe he's, he's uh, writing down as Jesus is, is speaking and, and dictating. Maybe Matthew is, is writing down point for point. Here's the point that Jesus makes. And then he makes this point and then he makes this point. Luke, on the other hand, is, is summarizing. He's given us the Cliff Notes version uh, of the Sermon on the Mount in some ways. Uh, and so, so he makes a, a different connection. I, I just, when I, when I read Luke chapter 6 versus Matthew chapter 5, it's the same material, it's the same teaching, it's the same point that's getting across. But to me, it was a little bit easier to grasp and my, wrap my mind around, okay, what do you want me to do, God? If I, I'm following you, Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to be your servant, I want to be your disciple. What do you want me to do? And, and it was a little bit easier to understand in Luke's account. Look at Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and following. Again, sim- similar teaching, same, same, same setting where Jesus is saying these words. But notice what he says. But I say to you, this is Jesus, I say to you, you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who disparage you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes your garment, do not withhold your tunic from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. And treat others the same way you want them to treat you. And if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. So Luke here is, is a little bit, he's flipping the script. It's not in the same order, but he's teaching the same thing. And he makes a, a greater connection. For me, an easier connection to make between the enemy, the persecutor, and the insulter. And he says, what, what's, the, what's the point of all of these things? No matter what they do, you remember who you are and whose you are. You're a child of God. No matter what your enemy does to you, you remember who you are. No matter what the, the persecutor does to you, you remember who you are. No matter what the person who would take things from you does to you or takes from you, you remember who you are. Now, now I'll say this because it needs to be said. This is not teaching a doctrine of, of uh, not defending the, the needy or defending the, the weak or the helpless. No, Scripture teaches us the, the need to, to defend those who are being persecuted, to, to defend the, the, the ones who are being uh, punished or, or hurt by, by the wicked and the evil. Certainly there is a time and a place for this. But over and over again in Scripture, there is this idea that we as God's people seek peace, even, even if that means we suffer for it. Even if the, the, the one who gets the bad end of the deal that leads to peace is us, we still seek peace. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We seek peace with those people. Again, I don't think this is hard to understand. I think it's hard for us in our society to accept because we hold so dearly our personal rights. We hold so dearly the right that, that I have to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Christian, I, I'm glad to live in America. But what if it was life, liberty, and the pursuit of holiness? And in the pursuit of holiness, sometimes we have to suffer. In the pursuit of holiness, 
Sometimes we have to give up what we would claim to be a right, something that I deserve for the sake of peace, for the sake of holiness, for the sake of having the opportunity to be called what? What does Matthew and Luke say? Sons of God, children of the Most High. There are times when we as Christians will have to suffer because of these things. We remember who we are despite what they may do. Look, look again at Luke chapter 6, verses 35 through 36. He wraps up this section and he says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And then he, he, he shifts our vision from earth where we think about our enemies and when we think about doing good and we think about lending and getting back. And he says, and he shifts our, our vision from, from earth to heaven. And it says, and your, your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high. And then he tells us the why. Why should we do this? Why should I love my enemies? They're my enemies. Why should I pray for people who persecute me and say all kinds of evil things about me and, and do all kinds of evil to me? Why should I do good to those people? They're not doing anything good to me. That's not what? It's not fair. It's not fair. Why should I do that? The end of verse 35 says, for he himself, God, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He shifts our vision from earth to heaven. Our reward will be great. And he reminds us of what heaven, God, has done for us on earth. That's what it's talking about in Matthew's account where he talks about he sends rain and sun on the good and the evil, the righteous and the unrighteous. I've always, that, that passage there where he talks about, you know, the, the sun and the rain and, and those types of things, I've always struggled with wondering a little bit what that means. I thought about sunshine, you know, sunshine's happiness. You know, God sends his blessings, his good things on, on the evil uh, and, and on the righteous. And he, but he also allows rain. And the way I've thought about it is bad things to happen to the, the good and the evil. But that's not really what it is, right? They lived in an agricultural society. What did they need? They needed sunshine and they needed rain. What he's saying here is God sends abundant blessings on everyone. Not because they deserve it, but because he is good. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What does it say in Luke's account? For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Verse 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. How do we deal with difficult people? Sometimes we suffer. But we always the goal is, the aim is, the way that we've been shown to live by Jesus is, we always do good to them. Always. We always do what's best for them. We love them the way that they should be loved. So what's the takeaway this morning? Before we get to our very last point, the takeaway this morning is, hey, those difficult people that you raised your hand about at work this week, those difficult people that you raised about your hand about in, in your family this week or, or wherever it was, those difficult, that, that person that you thought about when I asked you if you have difficult people, God says, be good to that person. God says, love that person. God says, be merciful that, to that person. God says, he, he, there is an expectation that you won't treat them the way they deserve to be treated. You'll treat them more than fair. You'll treat them better then they deserve because that's what God does for you. Not for them, 
but for you. God treats you better than you deserve. Amen? God treats you better than you deserve. Lastly, and briefly, but importantly, don't be a difficult person. Don't do it. Don't be a difficult person. Don't be the one in your family. Don't be the one at the church. Don't be the one at your job that's difficult, that, that, that just says things that don't need to be said, that does things that don't need to be done, that approaches situations in ways that they don't need to be handled. Don't be the difficult person. Now, listen, sometimes, yes, we've got we've to say things to each other and encourage each other and, and correct one another and, and all of those things, but don't be difficult. Don't be the person that, man, I love you, church. I love you, church. Don't be the person that because of what you say or the way you treat people or the way you act that drives someone away from this place. Don't be difficult. Luke chapter six and verse 31 says, and treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Don't be difficult. If there's something that needs to be said, find the right way to say it. Think about it. Put some effort into it. Don't be the one that's a stumbling block for someone else that drives them away from Christ and from his church. We will deal with difficult people every day. Sometimes we will be those difficult people. How do you want people to treat you when you're the difficult person with mercy and with grace, because probably the reason you're being a difficult person is because you've had a bad day or you've had a bad situation or you're facing something that's been just totally shaking you in some form or fashion. And maybe it's been for months or years. How do you want people to treat you? Treat other people who are difficult that same way with grace and mercy, pointing them towards Jesus, towards God, who is gracious and merciful and bestows his blessings upon everyone, not because we deserve it, but because he is so good. The greatest blessing he ever gave was his son, not because we deserve it, but because he's so good. If you will turn briefly with me to to Romans chapter four, we'll end with this. Romans chapter four, the very end of Romans chapter four, verse number 25 talks about Jesus. It says, he, Jesus, was delivered on account of our transgressions. Jesus died on the cross because of your sin. And he was raised on account of our justification. Jesus rose from the grave to save your soul. If you're a Christian this morning, You belong to the way. Jesus is the way. How are you walking in the way? How are you doing with that? How's your faith? How's your walk? Not just your belief, but how's the action that all that leads to? How are you doing in your faithful walk with God? If you've got struggles, so does everybody else. And if you wanna let us know about those things, we want to talk to you and, and love you and help you and encourage you and correct you and spur you on to do a better job. And we're gonna have an opportunity here in just a minute when we come and sing another song where if you wanna come down forward and, and let the congregation know, we'll start praying for you now and we'll help you constantly as best we can. But if you're not a Christian yet, 
If you have not declared your belief that Jesus Christ is a resurrected son of God, if you have not named Jesus as the Lord of your life, meaning that you're gonna try your best to follow him and the way that he uh, lives and the things that he taught us in scripture, if you haven't done that yet, if you haven't submitted to baptism where all of your sins are washed away and, and in God's eyes, you are perfect. And God's grace continually cleanses you from all of your sins. If you haven't done that yet, there's another opportunity right now to do that. If you have any needs at all, as you follow Jesus this morning, we would love to help you. Please come as we stand and sing.